At Federal, we have products for every season and every pursuit. Our passionate and dedicated teams design, build, and deliver the world's best American-made ammunition, whether you're hunting, target shooting, or defending yourself and family. Our pride and hard work can be found in every box, ammo can, or bottle of ammunition. For us, it's always in season. It's federal season. Welcome to Federal Ammunition's podcast, It's Federal Season. I'm Jason Nash, Vice President of Marketing, along with Media Director Brian Kelvington. Today, we're on location in South Dakota within shouting distance of Mount Rushmore in the Black Hills of South Dakota. We're chasing turkeys with Stephen Ranella and Giannis Putellis of Meat Eater. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us on. I'd like to hear the shout that would reach Mount Rushmore. <laughs> we don't want people to shut off the podcast you get, you get you get a shot gobble or two i think on the way yeah exactly a little coyote call so you guys obviously no strangers to podcasts i mean if they were building a, a mount rushmore of podcasts you guys are, are i'd say you're in the running i'm a little biased but uh you know i think they're think of true crime you think of uh brian's favorite uh ron burgundy podcast <laughs> is that a that, real thing yeah absolutely that will ferrell does yeah absolutely oh i gotta check that i made out. the boss listen to an episode on the way out yeah it's pretty good but anyway you you guys obviously have done really well with your podcast it's a great new medium that you've shown works really well what what it is what is it about that medium that works well for you guys uh I can take this one. Steve really <laughs> likes to talk, Jason. That's what it is. Oh. No, man. I was I was gonna give. Yeah, go ahead. You tell him. I was gonna give my my thing the two ideas I had. Oh, that, well, that I was trying to combine. I'll let you think about it just for a second. But no, that, I mean that's certainly that's joking. But I think it's certainly partially true too. But uh, um, yeah, when Steve explains it, you'll get the gist of it. But uh, I think that. Uh, yeah, Steve's a great interviewer, and, and we have great conversations, you know, and they uh, they clip along. That's the that's the secret sauce, I think, plain and simple. Yeah, I've, I've mentioned this a handful of times over the years, but when I was, was starting out thinking about doing a podcast, I had in my mind, um, I used to work in the trades, you know, and we'd be driving into jobs, and this is in the mid-'90s, and we always listened to Howard Stern. And... um but I also liked Fresh Air, Terry Gross. I don't know if those two would get along real well. But either way, I wanted to have I wanted to make a show that felt like half Howard Stern, that sense of camaraderie, right, and, and like laughter and stuff, right. Like the, he's kind of got like the like a, a group of fun people that enjoy each other. No, oh, it wasn't the vulgarity that you. No, 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 no. Um, yeah, just that that camaraderie, and then you know Terry Gross is such a like good at interviewing and, and talks about surprising stuff. And so I was trying to, in my head, I'd be like, yeah. I mean, like the funny thing is no one would ever listen to the show and be like, you know what this is like? This is like Howard Stern combined with fresh air. Like no one would ever get it, but that's what was in my head. And I think everybody tries to steal stuff. It's just the good stuff is stolen in a bad way that it becomes its own thing. <laughs> you know, you don't do a good job of stealing and you wind up with something new. There's plenty of bad stuff out there pretty rare that podcast does uh, as well as yours so congratulations obviously 
So this industry, I've been in it a long time, 17 years, and it's been great to me. Um, what's been fascinating for me to watch, and you know, Brian and I started doing, I was on a couple of TV shows with him, has been the way the industry's evolved, and you guys have, have been accepted by everybody and kind of mobilized, even some of the old timers. So what is it about the industry that you guys broke in? You know, why do you think you're having such a, a, a great effect on, on the industry? Go ahead, Yanni. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking to you. Um, man, I think I, I'll go. If you want, I'll go first for me. Um, man, I don't mean like, I hesitate. I, like, no, this not gonna be taken the wrong way. I uh, I didn't n- not out of lack of respect or anything, but more like out of just exposure. You know, you, when you're young, you don't have a ton of influence of you don't have a ton of say over what you get exposed to. I hadn't been exposed to uh, outdoor media. I hadn't been exposed to the industry so much, even though we grew up, you know, in a, in a like intensely focused hunting and fishing family. It just like there was no conversation of there being like an industry. There was no conversation of there being a industry media. It was just, it just wasn't discussed. It wasn't thought about. Had someone said those things to me, I really wouldn't have known what they meant. I got very interested in in. I went to college reluctantly, but got interested in it and got interested in uh, literature and film, and l- learned things from that about ways that you sort of tell a story in ways that you try to stay true to a thing you care about. Um, and then turned around and applied it to what I happened to be interested in, which was the outdoors. I think that sometimes people, uh, you know, there's dual paths to everything, but I think that you could come up with exposure to outdoor media and be like, I want to do that, right? I want to do that. And then find your version of it. I was sort of more just into, you know, you know, books and movies and things and and started to understand what storytelling was like. And then said, okay, I'll take these learnings from this world and and go bring it over into this world where they maybe haven't been applied. And, And I think that was probably about the extent of it. Um, it wasn't a reaction. When we first started doing our show, we would get a lot of questions where people are like, thought it was meant to be a commentary on something, on a commentary on media. But it, re- it really was the farthest thing from my mind. And, and I don't, I think you'd probably very much say the same from you. You weren't like trying to mimic something in the work we were doing. No, not at all. I'd say, but I think one of the things that really resonates, <clears throat> and again, I don't know if we did this purposefully, but. When I, Steven had already been doing a, a season and a half or so of Meat Eater, but when I fell into there, I felt very like comfortable in that crew and comfortable in sort of the idea and what the idea that Steve was putting forth because it was just how I had grown up and how we had hunted and how we had treated, you know, game and butchering at home ourselves. And all of it felt normal. And I think we just kind of ran with that and continued to do it. And just because we were doing outdoor media, we didn't really change what our, lifestyle was or what our hunting style was like we just kind of kept on doing that and i think that that has resonated with a lot of people just like you know like these guys are like us you know yeah we never uh sat down we're like next we need a catchphrase you know 
was. Yeah. That's not how it works. <laughs> You're not looking for a stick, huh? No, I think it. And now, you know, with Meat Eater, it's, you mentioned lifestyle. And I'm a brand guy. I'm a marketing guy. I see Meat Eater as a lifestyle brand. What it is, is it about, like, how do you describe that in your own terms? What is the Meat Eater lifestyle? Man. Can throw, I can throw a lot of stuff at you there. I mean, I think folks that just really enjoy being outside and um, nature and into that, they incorporate hunting and fishing and taking from, you know, fishing and hunting and taking it home and doing some cooking with that and eating it, celebrating it, you know, and being pr- proud of the process, I guess. Um, I think in a couple sentences, that's how I describe it. Yeah, uh, I like that. And I think there's there's a thing, too, that's hard to put your finger on. But uh, there's this this band I like. I think they're from Canada. band called Arcade Fire. And I used to listen to them. And I would try to, like, it was hard to put my finger on what it was about them. And I realized that they had, that they occupy, they do these two things at once where they have this, like, incredible exuberance. Like, this incredible exuberance for life. But it's, like, tinged with, like, some real apprehension <laughs> about, like, where the world's headed and i think that when i think about the the people i'm close with um the outdoorsmen that i'm close with it's that thing it's like they're fueled by just this intense love of being outdoors an incredible love for hunting and fishing and um it's like the thing they care about most and they're also like very nervous about hunting and fishing right they're nervous about it and they're they're like wondering like what it means, where is it going? Will I keep like can I keep doing this? Will my kids keep doing this? But I love it so much and, and you know, and it like keeps you up at night. And and I think that the a lot of the people I like to surround myself uh, with share that um share that like like pretty complex relationship to it, you know, and just to be curious and, and we try to put out stuff that inspires curiosity about nature and uh, and also things that like we're we enjoy just hanging around and, and try to bring that to our products that we make is um, wrestling with ideas, man, and being satisfied now. And then there's some things that are hard to put your finger on. Um, and it could come from many things. It might be like some new hunting technique people are using, a new technology that people are using, aspects of the political sphere where you're like, you almost get overwhelmed by this thing of, of being, being like, man, I see like, all this complexity here and it's really hard and it, but it's fun to untangle it. Right. And so to spend a lot of time kind of like untangling the whole thing and recognizing that it's a big part of life. Like if you really like to be outdoors, you really like to hunt and fish, it winds up being, um, you're everything. It's not, I don't know if people have that with golf, man, but, uh, I, I don't know that you'd get that level of complexity out of it. A lot of, I've been around, again, I've been in the industry a while. A lot of people get into the industry, especially media, through writing. And I know that, you know, Stephen, especially you've got more of a classic trained mm-hmm. background in writing. You know, where did that start from? Did you always have an, just a knack for stringing words together? Yeah. People I, inspired you? If, if I talk about my genesis, like as a sort of writer, you know, there's so many people that impacted me along the way, but I guess like the earliest one is this guy, the 10th grade English teacher named Mr. Heaton, uh, Bob Heaton still alive today. Uh, he, he wasn't really interested in the, the, he wasn't really interested in the, 
the work that everybody, the hoops that everyone needs to jump through. He was re- he was interested in, in in getting getting kids that seemed to have like a passion for writing and teaching them how to write about what they cared about. And he was talking about that. And there's probably a I don't know maybe some other people are doing it. I think there's a lot of English teachers out there that they're like we got to do A because that leads to B and that leads to C and then you're out of this class. And that wasn't his approach, man. His, he was he he saw people that liked things and he's like write about what you like. Tell, convince me about what you like. And that, you know, hadn't I met that guy? There's other people involved, but hadn't I met that guy? I don't, I wouldn't have done what I, it's probably very safe to say I would not be doing what I'm doing. Uh, Giannis, he's just like, he's just one of those people, my view of Giannis is he's just one of those people that's like exceptionally good at everything he does. Maybe he just like, maybe he like skips, maybe he skip. maybe he like somehow inherently knows what he'd suck at and steers clear of it. But like everything he touches, he just, I'm like, wow, great job. I mean, the guy like, thank you. Went and then we had to do some writing projects. So he learned how to write really well. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, Steven, you talk about the complexity of hunting and fishing, right? It's not as, it's not as simple as it, as it appears that television makes it look right. Mm-hmm. And then you've got this love of writing. And that's really translating to be a great storyteller. I read a couple of your books and just the way you tell stories, how do you get that to translate to all the mediums, whether mm. it be TV, podcast, because podcast takes writing. You have to think in advance to make sure that the content is coherent for the listener, for, for your audience. Yeah. Giannis, you know, you should walk him through, uh, you know, kind of our story that we've talked about a handful of times is like the let's do an episode about dads, like kind of how, you know, the story within a story, right? Sure. Um, yeah, certainly that is what, what I think what people really love about meat eater and can't always put their finger on it is that Steve's writing is in every episode. And so you have a real concrete beginning and then an arc to that story and then an ending. And, um, you know, again, you watch through it, you're, you're, compelled the whole time you're you know glued to the tv but you can't really say why well that's a big part of it you know that storyline keeps you uh involved um but what steve was talking about is our process of how you know we go into the example we always use the hunt we did with my dad when we took him moose hunting in alaska and we went into it like knowing that it's going to be a story about dads right and father and son relationships and that one was pretty easy because it played out just like that. I'm there with my dad. We're having conversations back and forth. Steve was allowed to um, recollect about his dad. Um, and it came together very nicely. But a lot of times we go into it um, trying to think of a good example where there's the story under the story that pops out later. Yeah. There was, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, that's why I put it on you because I couldn't remember how we described it. Sometimes we'll go do. It's like sometimes you go do a, you'll go do a trip, right? And the trip seems so much a story that you don't do any work to help it. Like let's say you're going like, oh, we're gonna fly in bush planes and go hunt doll sheep. What an epic story! And so then we just don't even think, which is stupid, but we don't because we just think like, well, who needs a story? You have the story. The story is the thing. And sometimes we'll go do something, and it feels sort of like light, or it feels missing something. And then we'll, we'll be like, well, let's take this opportunity to explore this thing we care about. Like, we'll take this opportunity to explore this idea of dads. Other times we might go out and we think we got something really buttoned up. Um, and it's just not there. 
And then out of it emerges something you didn't, out of it emerges something you couldn't see. But generally what I think we're, we're trying to shoot for is like, it, it, there's this description of story someone used one time and be like, to distill it down is a person or thing wants something. And there are obstacles preventing them from getting it. The story is trying to get what you want over the obstacles. And then you look and once you start plugging that in and thinking like every movie you've ever seen, every book you've ever read, you're like, oh yeah, it's, it holds up. Uh, I don't know, like a hunt is beautiful in that it is that. There's a thing you want, which is success. Obstacles stand in the way, which is your own skill set, climate, un uncontrollable patterns of animals, all this kind of stuff. So there's that. But I think that you need to bring another thing to it, right? Because I don't know that that's always enough. It's kind of what I was getting at. And so when we, we did this, this fly-in moose trip, which is a big extravagant trip, but we knew we had that story. But what we want to do is, is also wrestle with this thing of, of dads. And I, see, and I guess they're like, the thing you want is you want to understand this crazy relationship you have with your dad. Um, that every guy you know who grew up hunting with their dad like you have a complex relationship with your dad you want to understand it. what are the obstacles that stand in your way how annoying your dad is <laughs> or, or or how great he is right? yeah or, or whatever you know what i mean and so it was uh, interesting my dad's dad uh we brought Giannis's dad out uh, Giannis's dad is you know just a very philosophical character and Giannis is uh as much as he loves him gets frustrated with them and so we were running this sort of like double, it was like a double rainbow, moose hunting and, <laughs> and dads, you know? And I, and I hold it out as one of my favorite things that we ever, one of my favorite things we ever made. And I did very little. I was largely in the background to, to, to Giannis and his father. So I think that leads really into the next question is about success. And I, what I'm getting from you guys and what I've watched in your shows is you don't have to have a kill to define, to have success in your shows. Oh, I sure like it when it happens though. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think that sets people apart, right? From the traditional grip and grin shows. Yeah. Um, so you're, what is your definition of success? Do you want, do you leave every episode, whether it be podcast or whether with uh, a level of a definition of success in your own minds, or you do let it unfold and then come back and say, okay, let's just tell this story. I think sometimes it's easy to, to, to see the success even halfway through a podcast. I, I know if I'm sitting there looking at the guest and thinking, boy, I'm engaged, like I'm hanging on every word that's being said here, it's going to be a good podcast. Other times, I mean, we certainly do some editing of podcasts and we might record for two hours, but there's only 90 minutes that you really want to listen to, you know, and you, gotta, you have to break it down. Um, for a show, sometimes it's a little bit harder. Sometimes it take some time mulling over what went down over the course of the period of a week, you know, especially if you didn't get an animal, but uh, we're working on an episode right now, which is doesn't end in classic success. But when I look at this finished product that we just put together, I think it's a, it's a very, very strong episode because of sort of the, um, you know, the, the issues you got to, um, you know, wrestle with in your head when you have a hunt that doesn't always go as planned. And uh, Steve did a great job, you know, discussing that to camera. And I think a lot, it's going to resonate with a lot of people because everybody's been there. We call them when we don't get something and we just call them skunkers, you know? And uh, when we started running, when we began to, to run skunkers, we didn't have the luxury to not, I mean, you know, we go out and get camera guys and 
fly somewhere and we have a schedule and you're supposed to turn your episodes in and something doesn't work out. It was just, you know, we like to talk about how bold we were to kind of celebrate these, some of these failed trips we've been on, but you didn't want to at first. No, I mean, but it was just like, people were like, well, it's, what are you going to do, man? You I mean, you spent the money, you went and did the thing. Like there's no way out of this, bro. So you better just make the best of it. Yeah. But your failure could be somebody else's success because they're going to learn from what they saw or heard from you adapted into their own next time they're out. And now they've got success. So that's kind of the world of being of influencers. Yeah. I remember getting an email from a guy and uh, he was real disappointed. We'd had a, I think it was one of our first episodes where we didn't get anything. It was a mountain goat hunt and, you were allowed to shoot a Billy or a nanny, but they really tried to incentivize you to not shoot a nanny. In fact, like you, you draw the tag in Alaska, right? If you kill a nanny, you're not eligible to apply again for some number of years, right? They really are basically saying, don't shoot a nanny, but since it's very hard to tell Billy's from nannies, if you do deal with it, we'll deal with it, but we'd rather you didn't. So we go on this hunt and, and only have opportunities at nannies and don't get a Billy. And um, we ran the episode and it was, it was a good episode. But I remember this guy wrote in and he said, like, you know, I have enough failure and disappointment in my life. I don't need to see it on TV. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being like, okay, if that's the complaint, I can live with that. Because I don't know what to tell that guy. <laughs> that's the aspirational piece of it, right? People want to see what they, what they could do. But, you know, as you, like, I've got kids I'm introducing to the outdoors and hunting, and, and you guys do too. Um, how, how do you explain the relationship with wild game, because I think that's the other part of having success or failure in the field is not always defined by the kill shot. And how do you explain to young people, new people coming in to hunting, you know, that first kill and, and what that means and how to respect the animal? I think it's largely by example. I don't know how much, yeah, 110% by example. I mean, when, when dealing with your contemporaries, you know, with kids is different. You, you, there's not a ton of uh, things need to be articulated very clearly to kids. I, uh, you know, I have no problem with, right. You know, like people poison tens of thousands of prairie dogs, right? Like I have no problem with shooting prairie dogs whatsoever. My kid shot a prairie dog the other day and I made him eat it just cause I don't want to send him a confusing message. You know, he ate it and acted like it was the best thing he ever ate. Cause he wanted to shoot more prairie dogs. <laughs> you know? That was Giannis's theory about why he liked it so much. <laughs> Don't those things, we hear those things carry the black plague. I've told him, I told him not to mess with it. If you got one, come let me know. And I got some latex gloves out and pulled the hams out of it and, and fried them in butter. And he's like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I can guarantee he's like, you. if all I got to do is eat this and I can go back over to that prairie dog town, that's fine. <laughs> have those guys, con have your kids contributed, like your son contributed at all to the, the cookbook? the cookbook projects you guys have had, have you tested any recipes on them or, or had them give some input? Are they honing their writing skills? Oh no. <laughs> Mine are only six and eight. See, so oldest is just turned 10, but no, I mean, certainly they, they, we, we've made a pretty steadfast rule early on in our house where we weren't going to cook two dinners. Like there's one dinner and that's what everybody eats together. And, and that has, you know, luckily resulted, I think in a pretty like, um, varied, complex, whatever you want to call it, palate for my kids, which is nice now because we don't have to be worrying about it. They kind of just eat everything. Um, 
that being said, if I tried a recipe on them and they give me like a, you know, a grumpy face, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, put too much weight in it. Yeah. My, I keep telling people this story, but it was so funny is I, I had some deer, you know, like deer liver doesn't freeze real well, you know, and I cooked some deer liver I'd had in the freezer for a while. And then we have a thing where we make the kids eat. We don't do the extra dinners. I mean, I, I, we do, there's a lot of things in my house that people from a very traditional household would be appalled by, but there's also some things that are like very much like something your grandma and grandpa do to you. We make our kids eat their food. Um, we don't cook them special meals, but my daughter was crying cause I was making her eat. Like she's like in tears cause I was making her eat this deer liver that she didn't like. And my wife doesn't, she doesn't mess around either. Like she doesn't like to play this game at dinner time. but my wife took a bite of that liver and <laughs> turns to my daughter and says, Rosemary, you don't need to eat that. <laughs> yeah, can't be chicken fingers and fries every night, but no, you'll create problems for yourself, man. I'm not even talking about what's good for the kid. I'm talking about what's good for the parent. You create problems for yourself if you cave to everything at dinner time. Oh, yeah. It's a battle for everybody as kids. So, I mean, we're about ready to wrap up this first um, section of the podcast, and we'll just go to a quick, um, what we call a quick fire, um, and we'll ask you a few questions on your preferences of game. And both you guys get to answer this. First one, whitetail or elk? Eating? Yeah, eating. eating. Hunting. Oh, eating or hunting? Yep. Elk. Man, yeah, I'll go, definitely hunting right now. I'd go elk. I'm going to save the whitetails for when my knees are worse. I don't have to, <laughs> I can't hike the mountains anymore. Um, as far as eating goes, man, I, I love them both. Elk's got more flavor to me. And whitetail's a little milder, more tender usually. Mallard or pheasant? Mallard. Mallard. Oh, boo. Dude, I'm telling you what, man. <laughs> I gotta give you my chick, my uh, pheasant cordon blue recipe. You'll like that. Man, I love mallards. Mallards is one thing. Like if someone just brought over mallards, I'd be like, thanks. You know, normally when people, you know, you don't want someone to drop you by like some unclean northerns. You know, what I mean, you're like, oh, sure. But no, man, mall- <laughs> <laughs> mallards, man, I love them. I think this is an easy one. Black bear or moose? You gotta travel for moose, man. I guess that's a tricky one. But again, hunting or eating? Oh, man, moose. Eating for sure. I don't know. The more and more I, I am trying to battle and get over this thing I think that is just in my head. It's not actually in, in my mouth of why I would not like black bear. And then you read about how, you know, 200 years ago, nobody wanted to eat a deer. Like they only shot deer for their hides and everybody wanted to eat black bear. And there's a reason for it. They're, there's fat on them. They're good. We had some... Um, Potatoes cooked in uh, black bear oil the other day. I mean, just a whole skillet that had almost an inch of black bear oil, and we just put three potatoes in there and fried them for 20 minutes. It was one of the best meals yeah, I've good. had in a long time. Quail or turkey? Turkey. Okay. Rattlesnake. For both reasons. Uh, yeah. Rattlesnake <laughs> or squirrel? Squirrel. Squirrel. Possum or raccoon? Grinners. Possum. You've eaten both? No, I never ate a possum. That's why I would want to pick it. Oh. I've had ra- I've had raccoons, but I'd be boned if I never got to. Co- I I used to handle a lot of possums when I was trapping, but I I still have yet to eat one. I've never hunted coons or eaten them, so I'm definitely going with coons. Rough grouse or prairie chicken? Rough grouse. Yeah, probably. All right, now I know you guys love fishing too, so let's go crappie or grouper. Grouper. <sighs> yeah, they tug more. 
Now, Jason and I are both from Minnesota. So Probably don't get, good, man. Yeah, Jason and I are both from Minnesota, so don't get this one wrong. Walleye or Cobia? <laughs> you know, I don't know enough about Cobia, man. I'd probably go walleye, though, because I like to fish walleye. And I got a walleye boat. <laughs> I don't know. But those Cobia are fun because you can find them on the surface and cast big surface plugs at them. They're good eating. And they're good eating. No, it's two different animals. One's a steak and one's a flaky, you know, white piece of heaven. So, I like that description of walleye. Um, how about last one before we go to break? Tuna or halibut? Halibut. Tuna. By far. I, say, I, I just like to fish halibut personally, but I'd rather eat tuna. Yeah, I, I, I could go with that one. Oh, man, you hook a new big halibut. It's so much fun. Have you hooked into a big tuna? No. <laughs> Sure it's we'll come we'll come back after we go do that trip you can ask steve again well the great the great thing is there really is no wrong answer on any of those so yeah that's awesome thanks guys for being here we'll come back um up next on the it's federal season podcast more with steven ranella and Giannis patelis of the meat eater meet the industry's widest variety of game-changing ammunition however you shoot and whatever you hunt fortune favors the prepared, and nothing prepares you better than Federal Premium. It's a gold standard advantage delivered directly from the experts in premium ammunition. Find your Federal Premium Advantage today. Welcome back to It's Federal Season and our technology segment, Tech Talk. Welcome back to It's Federal Season and our technology segment, now, usually we've got a technology segment where we talk product. What's great about this format and where we are sitting here in the, in the Black Hills of South Dakota is that we've got Steve and Giannis here with us to talk a little bit about their experience with our product. So talking about Federal, and, and you guys are sponsored by us, um, we've got a new line of meat eater products coming out that we're all really excited about, um, everybody from the factory to the sales reps. So we've got uh, Trophy Copper Rifle, Meat Eater Bismuth, CCI, our sister brand, has got a Rimfire bulk pack that's got uh, Meat Eater brand on it. And uh, we've also got third degree turkey loads, which we all got a chance to use uh, here in the field, which is awesome. Um, so Federal is officially the, the uh, freezer fillers, like, like what we say. <laughs> that's what we like to say about uh, the Meat Eater. So uh, really exciting. So what, what does that relationship mean to you guys um, being associated with Federal? And, and the, the two brands working together. Yeah, I've, you know, we've had the opportunity over the years to um, have some really productive relationships with some, with some different brands. And I think that one of the things that I look for, one is just, you know, longevity, right? Um, people that, where you have a mutual respect for, you know, what you do and for performance. Um, I like that a lot. I like it when people kind of understand and support what we do. And so that's a value to me. And we've been pretty careful over the years about uh, what we've gotten behind. And Federal just has such a, you know, I mean, just like a longstanding integrity, right, to it, where it's product that is widely available. Um, you can refer people to it. They're going to have like zero complaints performs well all the time, stays up to date. Right. And so it's just one of those things where when people ask like, 
what you ask you your opinion on something. Um, it's great to be able to give them from, if, especially if someone that sort of like admires the things you do, or admires your show and they ask you opinion about it. It's nice to be able to give them like a, a full fledged, like I would just do this, use this, like nothing bad's going to happen. You'll have a good experience with it. It works really well. I, I can't even tell you like what you should use if you didn't use this. It's just great. You know, and, and that makes your job really easy when it comes to recommending stuff. I think you can get in trouble when you are in a situation where, um, you know, where, where that mutual respect a little bit falls away and it becomes harder to be in that situation of, of being able to be like a, you know, a vocal supporter of, of, of a product line. So that's one of the things I look for. And, and we've struck that with a handful of people and I, and I cherish those relationships. And that's kind of like a feather in my cap to be able to work with like, you know, industry leading producers of products. Awesome. Appreciate that. And uh, one, another thing, conservation has always been, you know, when I started with the company, I, I took a lot of pride in the fact that we had a dedicated position Yeah, that the, its role was to work with conservation groups. And there's not many out there we don't work with, including the third degree turkey load that, that is meat eater edition now also has NWTF on it. So we've always taken a lot of pride in giving back and putting dollars on the ground making sure that future generations have, you know, habitat and game to enjoy. Yeah. I, I think that that, like, you know, you take your support for NWTF. Like, I, I think that it's important to sort of, you know, understand the, the industry you're in and understand the world you're in. If you like to hunt turkeys, you need to give a thanks to NWTF. Right. So like it, it was the, it was Turkey Federation to put turkeys on the ground, back on the ground in this country. And that's not even like a debatable point, right? I mean, they were there all the way. I mean, there's federal agencies, state agencies were involved, but, but that project was in, in, in some, well, to a large degree, man, it was like kind of owned and driven by that organization. So I like it that you, you, that you get that and see that because if you're in the business of hunting turkeys, if you're in the business of selling ammunition to turkey hunters, you need to go upstream a little bit to see what's going on up there. And what you find upstream is NWTF. So I think it's a good move to do that. I get it. And I think it also like it helps things out. You know, um, it's like a, it's like a smart marketing move, right? Keep turkeys on the ground. You know, we're here in South Dakota and, and yeah, you know, I know you guys are, especially you, Giannis, the gear junkie. And I'm going to call you guys two of the double tap guys now because you both double tap this week <laughs> on, uh, on some uh, really nice Miriams. So, you know, what is about the product testing you got to do this week that you enjoyed? Uh, pulling the trigger was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Other than uh, the obvious. Well, I, you know, as far, the two turkeys that I shot this morning, I believe they were somewhere between 25 and 30 yards and, you know, it speaks to what third degree was made to do, right? And why they put the three different types of pellets in there because it's supposed to, you know, hit hard at close range, medium range, and still have those tungsten, are they nines or sevens? Sevens, sevens. in there, right? For the long range. And, you know, whichever pellets hit those turkeys at between 25 and 30 yards, they both pretty much folded up and, you know, laid, laid over. So um, I've been shooting that stuff for, I don't know, at least half a dozen years. And uh, I've always had that kind of success with it. Yeah. I've, I've never had any reason to question cause I just had tremendous luck, uh, hunting turkeys with it. You know, I think this year I got one out to 53 yards. 
just I, I don't want to recommend that. I was actually a little when I got up to walk over there, I was a little surprised. <laughs> but it was it was just as dead as the ones at twenty. But uh you know one of the things I always think about when I think about you guys is uh how much I enjoyed and learned when I was able to visit your factory. That was one of the coolest like crash courses in sort of like production. You know, it was really interesting. Um, I came away with that. Just like like everything, even the stuff about the you know, the, the, the battery lead and just the, 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 you know, the recycled battery lead and all that kind of things I never knew about. That was one of the things that really, uh, just seeing all that play out and how that all works was one of the things that was pretty impactful in me, uh, appreciating federal premium was just going over there and, and like just witnessing that, you know, and talking to people that had so much passion about it. Then we went down in the basement and did some where you guys test ammo on the gels and things. And you just like, you kind of understand it, like you shoot it and you understand it, but then when you look at it, like how it's assembled and what goes into assembling it and then seeing it perform in ballistic gels and understanding it, it's just like, it winds up taking something that seems like half magical, almost like you're like, it works. I don't know how it works or why it works. It just works. And then to get that deeper layer of being like, oh yeah, makes sense. That makes sense. Um, that was a, that was a revealing trip. I still think about a lot. Yeah. A lot of people behind one bullet, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, it was cool. It and was there's cool. a lot of people at our factory who are behind the mediator too. Let me tell you, you guys are very popular in the plant. And that day was a, was a pretty phenomenal day for those, those folks making your products. They were very appreciative that you would come. I right? I mean, your show is on Netflix now. It's the largest distributor of content in our space, right? You have the largest audience. There's Netflix out, outreaches. Sportsman's Channel and Outdoor Channel. So, what does that it's mean to vast, you guys? Yeah. What does that mean to you guys to have a program on a platform that you know you see Dave Chappelle on it and you see the Meat Eater on it? <laughs> <laughs> but you don't see Dave Chappelle on Meat Eater. <laughs> we need to change that. Yeah, Dave, if you're listening to the uh, It's Federal Season podcast, please re- contact me, and I can make it happen. Um. You know, when you put it like that, it makes me a little nervous, Brian. You know, it's a lot, it's a, it makes me a little anxious. That's a lot to think about. You know, it's a, we're, we're on a big stage, um, but it's uh, I'm just going to keep my head down and keep plowing forward, you know, and keep doing what we're doing. It seem, seems to be working. But you are breaking barriers by, putting, by being on a platform that has 151 million worldwide subscribers. Yeah. To be honest with you, when... Um when our, first, when our stuff first went up there, I thought it'd be down in five minutes. I was like, man, they don't even know the trouble they're wading into putting this on there. <laughs> you know, but it just, yeah, we've been, it's been a great relationship and they're, they're, uh, the, the, the you know, the huge company, but there, we, there's some people we work with. They're very supportive and kind of like understand what we want to do and, and ways in which it's different. And, and, uh, it's been a cool experience. I don't take a ton of, I should probably take more. I don't take a ton of time to, uh, to, to, to look at things as in terms of milestones or accomplishments or something. But I think if, when I get older and retire or whatever, I'll probably look back at the opportunity to, to play in that space as being one of the bigger achievements of, you know, one of the bigger career achievements. And, um, yeah, I think about that too, for, for different people involved in the show, it's just been, a you know, it's, it's been a fun ride and we've had a lot of people over the years contribute to things. So I, I hesitate to make it seem like, um, you know, me and Giannis have an, a large involvement in it where Giannis produces and directs our episodes and, you know, we work on the concepts together and I write it and host it. But, uh, I mean, there's so many people that 
get involved in it and have put like an indelible touch on it, you know, um, like it looks the way it looks because a guy named Mo Fallon, right? Uh, and he's just totally behind the scenes. But it's like that's why that show looks the way it does is because Mo Fallon thought it should look that way. I didn't have anything to do with that, the visual side of it, right? But uh, it's been great, man. And, and we get to, you know, we'll continue to make more of them. So I love it. And I, I think like our editor guy Mellitz, I think is well over fifty of the of mm-hmm. the hundred plus episodes that we've made. Um, that guy has didn't grow up hunting, didn't know anything about hunting, but in the course of the last seven years, I mean, there's a pretty good chance you could give him a shotgun tomorrow morning <laughs> and he'd go out there and, and kind of figure it out, you know. Um, and so that's been cool working with people like that. That that really, I mean, again, I don't know if they had any you know, a connection to hunting whatsoever. And then for them to like come and see this and be like, yeah, I'll work on that project. That looks cool. And then now to have been doing it with us for eight years and still enjoy it. It just says a lot about how the process has been. Yeah. Most of our camera guys have never hunted. Most of our, uh, our editors, I mean, all of our editors have never hunted. Well, that, that speaks volumes too, about, you know, the kind of people you bring together around the mediator brand. That's great. So one last, we're in the tech talks segment. So I got one last question. We've had a lot of discussion and you have plenty of time for second guessing when you're in a hunting camp, right? About sites and chokes. If, if you were to give a turkey hunter. Oh, yeah. One, one, one tip. We covered ammo. Oh, man, I'll, get, I'll give you a tip. <laughs> <laughs> one tip. I mean, do you keep it simple or, I mean. A turkey hunting tip. A turkey hunting tip for gear. If you got two, Yanni, don't do the one about shooting your gun first (laughs) (laughs) okay oh are you you gonna go first go first and then i don't have to steal yours it astounds me man it astounds me how many people go out to hunt turkeys without first taking their shotgun getting a handful of chokes if you got a handful of shotguns grab a handful of shotguns and go down and take a blank sheet of paper and put a dot on it and back up 30 or 40 yards and shoot at the thing to see what it looks like because there's this assumption. I don't know where it comes from. Well, I know where it comes from. There's this assumption that like these shotguns are these like all-powerful things that just spray everything with hundreds of pellets and you couldn't possibly mess up. You can mess up, man. You have to go look. Like If, you to- if someone came and told me that they shot their shotgun at 40 yards in the center of the pattern, we say the pattern like the, you know, the shot hits and it's spread out. Like it could be spread out like a dinner plate at 20 or 30 yards that the center of that where the, the, the mass of the pellets are, if you told me it was 12 inches off, I wouldn't even be kind of surprised at 40 yards. You have to mess around and look, um, and shoot your thing and see, and you can influence it by, you know, influence it by changing, uh, guns, changing loads, changing chokes has a big impact on it. And load choke combinations. Yeah, lo- yeah. Load choke combinations has a big impact on it. And then, um, if it's off, you can put a just buy an aftermarket iron sight or a red dot sight and put it on, on there and adjust it. I used to walk around. I I hunted for several years with the gun. I used to have to remember. I'd be like, remember, it shoots high and right. <laughs> so I'd always aim low and left. I got you know, it's not ideal. <laughs> no, no. There's a lot of other things to be thinking about in that moment, man. Well, I had a couple of misses with my wife last week. And uh, afterwards, of course, she's like, boy, I should have shot this shotgun more, you know. <laughs> and it wasn't because it was off. She had shot it enough to know that it was on. But it was just, you know, like she just has, hasn't shot a shotgun that many times. 
and if you, the more you can shoot it, you know, the better off you're going to be. Um, as far as a turkey hunting tip, though, um, I don't know. Go, uh, I got a hunting one. Go, go find yourself some turkeys before you decide to go turkey hunting. That's my tip. Don't just walk into the woods and ready to go hunting. Put some time in ahead of time to actually be so that you're hunting where some turkeys are. Yeah, it's going to help you out. Yeah, good turkey hunters are. Um, they're good turkey hunters are kind of like good deer hunters. Like a good turkey hunter goes out in the morning. He he's usually hunting a turkey. You know, he's identified like a turkey. It might be two or three, but he knows about like a turkey. Um, and what that, what he thinks that turkey's doing. Now that might, you might be after a different turkey that night and a different turkey the next morning, but you generally try to go into your day being like, I'm going to go hunt this one bird. Thanks guys for two great segments and conversation. Up next, our news and notes section of it's federal season. We'll share more of what's making headlines at federal, including hot promotions on federal gear and product. There's a time and a place for every season. This is that time, and these are those special places. When preparation gives way to anticipation, rituals, and traditions. Friends, family, forever. This is what you live for. It's time to celebrate the annual tradition like no other. It's federal season. Welcome back to It's Federal Season and the News and Notes segment. Welcome back to It's Federal Season and the News and Notes segment. I'm Jason Nash, head of marketing, and we're excited to announce the Hunt Harder promotion with Onyx and our new meat eater line of ammunition. And we're thankful to have uh, Steve and Giannis from Meat Eater here with us today to help us introduce that promotion to our listeners. Yeah, we're, we're, this is well rehearsed. Me and Yanni have it memorized. What'll happen is this. Um, you got, uh, this is pretty simple. And it's a, it, it, it's a, it's a we, we ran the numbers on it. We think it's a very good deal too. You go, all you gotta do is you go and buy two boxes of Federal Premium's Meat Eater line. And, um, and th- this is the rehearsed part. Giannis knows by heart the categories of boxes you need to purchase. Two of them. Got to buy two boxes. They can be from the center fire line, which is going to be uh, trophy copper loaded ammunition. There's uh, CCI rim fire. There's the new bismuth waterfowl. And then... Um, Third degree, turkey. Oh man, of I, see, I was pumping it up that he knew this real well, but he didn't. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> I got up at three o'clock this morning and have not had a nap yet. Um, but yeah, you buy two of those. Uh, any, any, any two combinations. You can buy one box of turkey and nope, two boxes of one. Oh, you got to buy two boxes of one. That's in the details, so look carefully. But uh, you get two free months of Onyx's um, premium membership. You get a code. That you can redeem, right? Correct. Can they wait and just redeem it and then use it for April and May next year hunting turkeys? Probably also in the details, too. <laughs> There's an idea. There's an idea for you, though, is you get your code and, like, you at least, you know, hit it for October and November. I bet you could get away with that. Yeah, well, well the timing this, on this. The, is... sm- the smart guy, yeah, this, it only happens between June 1 and July 31st. Oh, I got you. But the smart guy would do it and then probably save it maybe for a month. 
and then use it to do his scouting for the fall so like he knows it. where the deer and elk are. So you buy your two boxes of Federal Premium's Meat Eater line, and you get two months premium membership for Onyx. And, you know, Onyx, what it is, it, it's a app that you, you can use on your phone. I mean, you, GPS too, but basically it turns your phone into a GPS. So you can it's got all the public and private land ownership information on it. So you can be uh, cruising down, driving down the road, or let's play it safe. Someone can drive you down the road. And as you're driving down the road, you can look at your Onyx app and be like, oh, so this is owned by this person. This is owned by that person. That's state land. That's federal land. Um, it does a bunch of other things too, but it, it, it's great. So it's like this way you got great ammo and you got um, a great mapping service and you use your mapping service to find a hunting spot. And then when you get to that hunting spot, you use your great ammo to be successful. And then the disclaimer, which the lawyers want us to say is go to www.federalpremium.com slash promotions. And there you'll get all the fine details. Yeah. And you people scheming that you already have on X, you're just going to take a couple months off. You're uh, paying your bill. It's good for new on X members. Only. Only. Thanks guys. Well, uh, we're also running, um, if you haven't heard, uh, sweepstakes with Kubota. So check out the exciting federal and Kubota sweepstakes as we teamed up to uh, give a full I'll tell people about this you, what you do is you buy a box of 22 shells you get a free Kubota tractor <laughs> <laughs> now that's a good deal <laughs> just call Brian Calvington he'll get you squared away what's your phone number Steven I'd like to forward it to you free tractors for everyone so yes the uh, Kubota and Federal have teamed up on a sweepstakes to give away a fully loaded sidekick UTV that works as hard as you do all year round along with $400 in federal gear from our online merchandise store. For these details, go on to www.federalkabotasweeps.com. You have until July 31st to enter. That uh, URL, that website, has all the eligibility requirements, prizes, your odds of winning, and full official rules. In our merchandise store, light up your basement, bar, or cabin with a durable federal LED sign and show off your federal pride. Just one of the cool branded items in our online federal store. Go to federalpremium.com merchandise and browse the latest in branded apparel, gear, and lifestyle items. Our next podcast is set to launch on July 16th with competitive shooter and instructor Josh Fralick. He's going to talk about getting involved in competitive shooting, how to be prepared for a competition, and tips to improve your overall shooting performance. What kind of competitive shooting? He's a three-gun specialist. Oh. Huh. But can you hit a turkey? <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, guys, for joining us on this Federal Season Podcast. What a, what a pleasure and an honor to have you guys join us. I remember when uh, Jason and Bill Dermody joined you at SHOT Show, one of your first, like, half a dozen episodes. That was pretty cool. Yeah, so man. We're we full a, circle a, now. A, a live at SHOT. Still, still the highest downloads ever, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The goose lays the golden eggs. We really appreciate you you being on the episode and being here with us in camp. Um, it's federal season podcast. Um, download it, take a listen, and uh, you'll also be able to watch some of the the footage and, and still photos from this adventure in South Dakota on federalpremium.com and on our social feeds. Um, Follow us both, and uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah, well, thanks for having us in Turkey Camp. It's been a blast. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks, guys. If you like the It's Federal Season podcast, be sure to let us know. 
by filling out a rating and review on iTunes. And remember, for us, it's always in season. It's federal season.